welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Monday and Thursday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick it up on our Podomatic page, podomatic.com, and put in Camp Constitution. Also, it's on all kinds of other um, platforms, Spotify and Amazon and iHeartRadio and just all kinds. Uh, so and we, uh, we do encourage you to uh, share the, these uh, recordings. And some of the recordings we also uh, convert to a YouTube video, usually if I have a guest. And this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And next year's camp will be from July 17th to the 23rd at at the same venue as, um, actually, 17th to the 22nd, Sunday to Friday, at the uh, Singing Hills Christian Camp and Conference Center in beautiful Plainfield, New Hampshire, about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire, the state capital. We also have uh, other events, year-round events. We have a uh, ladies' retreat, which um, we'll have in April, and we have a speakers' bureau with events on a regular basis, so we encourage you to go to our website, campconstitution.net, and check out our calendar. We'll be heading up to Arista County, in December of this year, December 4th, at the uh, Salvation Army in Holton. We're going to be doing a sort of a, almost a day-long program. It will have several speakers, Reverend Stevie Kraft, Jack McCarthy, Michael Heath, and uh, a few others, as well as a program for the youngsters. So I'll be working on uh, getting that on our calendar pretty soon. Uh, and again, the show is brought to you uh, by Camp Constitution. We do encourage you to check out our website, campconstitution.net. Now, um, started this uh, in Scotland, just uh, started yesterday, is uh, yeah, Halloween, you know, good event, Duke time, but something so spooky as what they call COP26. This is the Climate Action Program, all of the UN. Uh, what we call, I guess, the gang of uh, UN global warmers, all the elitists uh, showing up in their private planes and telling us the, the downtrodden that we have to live in um, buildings or homes with uh, 600 square feet and uh, not reduce our uh, carbon footprint by 90%. And we just ran an article written by a friend of ours, and I think what I'll do is I'm going to share it because it's uh, very, uh, very well done. Um, and uh, you could read the article on your own if you go to our website and you visit our blog page, Camp Blog. And we try to post something at least two or three times a week. And uh, it's written by Paul Dreisen of CFAC. CFAC is the, uh, let's see, it's an acronym for Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, I think it is. I think that's um, what it stands for. And we, uh, Committee for Const- yeah, Constructive Tomorrow, their website is cfact.org, capital C-F-A-C-T dot org. And uh, the name of the article is this. It's uh, Europe's Energy Crisis Better Wake America Up. If it doesn't, activists and governing classes will destroy middle-class jobs, families, and lives. So, uh, and we have a picture of some of these uh, elitists. I'm not sure who exactly they are. 
and uh, the picture was climate billionaires using private jets arrive at COP26 conference. So COP26, the 26th massive climate controlled conference of parties goes live in Glasgow, Scotland on Halloween. That's certainly appropriate since its primary purpose is to further terrify humanity to take action to prevent the existential threat of man-made climate cataclysms. And let me just comment here. Um, they're getting even scarier. They're trying to scare us. They're saying now we have like eight years to prevent millions of people will die. And we've been hearing these threats for the longest time. You know, and this isn't just chicken little. We're talking about the so-called elite. And if they were really concerned about climate change, they wouldn't be buying homes, uh, mansions on islands uh, in the ocean. You know, they wouldn't be flying around in jets burning lots and lots of carbon. So let me, let me continue here. Thousands of politicians and climate activists will take private jets and limos to the lecture in Hector Halls to demand that commoners be restricted to one basic economy flight every three years, meatless diets, public transportation, and keeping 640 square foot homes at 65 degrees all winter and 85 degrees all summer. And this article, by the way, uh, you can again find on our website, and there's links, lots of different links, uh, that, you know, verifying what they're saying. Otherwise, they say countless people will die as our planet overheats by up to 4.1 degrees. Um, Real-world science and data provide no support for temperature spikes of this magnitude. But just in time for COP26, Columbia University concocted a new study and new metric on the mortality cost of carbon based on these scary computer model temperature forecasts. Bloomberg News gave the death by global warming fable prominent coverage. 83 million people, equivalent to the entire population of Germany, could be killed this century by rising planetary temperatures caused by fossil fuel use, it asserted. Nonsense. Modern housing and energy systems enable people to adapt and to survive even the most extreme heat and cold, even in Antarctica, which just experienced the coldest average winter temperature ever recorded, minus 61 degrees centigrade, minus 78 Fahrenheit. Survival becomes far less likely, however, if climate treaties and energy policies prohibit efficient air conditioning and heating, ration them, subject them to recurrent blackouts or make them harder to afford amid rising oil, natural gas, coal, and electricity prices. Yes, that is exactly what's being advocated and implemented. Britain and various U.S. cities and states want to ban natural gas heating and cooking and replace them with expensive heat pumps and other electric appliances powered by expensive weather-dependent wind turbines and solar panels. Meanwhile, energy prices have been skyrocketing in response to COVID recovery and anti-fossil fuel policies. Climate theory has long held that most 21st century warming will occur in northern latitudes during winter months. But now we're, um, but now, we're now told a warming Arctic could also be causing colder winters, which could endanger far more people than rising temperatures or more frequent heat waves. Actually, far more people die in cold weather than in hot weather or heat waves. In the United States and Canada, cold causes 45 times more deaths per year than heat. 113,000 from cold versus 2,500 from heat, 2,500 from heat worldwide, where air conditioning is far less available. Some 1,700,000 people die annually from cold versus 300,000 from heat, a ratio of almost 6 to 1. And I'll go, let me, let me just add here, too, that thanks to the advent of air conditioning, uh, many people in, 
in the United States don't die from heat waves, which is something that we saw back in the 1930s when we had some terrible heat waves and many deaths, especially in cities where people didn't have air conditioning and couldn't afford it or just wasn't available. Um, energy policies that favor wind and solar over fossil fuels beget fuel poverty that can make adequate heating impossible, causing numerous health problems and deaths. Poor, minority, elderly, and fixed-income families are most severely and inequitably affected, it found. Old homes bring increased risk of respiratory and circulatory problems, including asthma, bronchitis, flu, cardiovascular disease, and stroke, and exacerbate existing adverse health conditions. Cold household temperatures also increase depression, anxiety, and other mental health problems. Already vulnerable groups, young children, older people, and those with pre-existing health issues are especially susceptible to hypothermia, more illness, and death. Public Health England calculated that one-tenth of all excess winter deaths in England and Wales are directly attributed to fuel poverty, and 21.5% of excess winter deaths are attributed to the coldest 25% of homes. 30,000 to 40,000 people die each year in England and Wales since 1990. Who would not have perished if their homes hadn't been so cold, researchers estimated. Adjusted for population, this is equivalent to 165,000 to 220,000 excess American winter deaths per year. And so when was the last time that you heard of the uh, read in the local newspaper or some media pundit on CNN discuss the deaths that people, the deaths resulting from cold weather? You never hear it. Uh, in 2017, Germany endured 172 localized blackouts. In 2019, 350,000 German families had their electricity cut off because they couldn't pay their power bills. Hmm. And Germany used to be, uh, I think it was the wealthiest country in the world. This was West Germany before they merged with East Germany. Uh, coal, oil, natural gas, and electricity and home heating costs have risen significantly since those studies were prepared, likely increasing the excess winter death toll markedly. In fact, 2021 European gas prices skyrocket nearly 600% over 2020 prices. In Rotterdam, coal futures soared from $60 a ton in October 2020 to 265 ton in September 2021. Energy prices are still rising, affecting jobs and living costs. Global demand for gas and coal has surged as the world recovers from COVID. British gas production has plunged more than 60% since 2000. Britain and Europe have banned fracking. Putin is playing politics over how much gas it will deliver to Europe. And President Biden has stymied leasing, drilling, fracking pipelines, and oil and gas exports. Many coal and nuclear power plants have been shut down. Meanwhile, Europe's heavily subsidized wind turbine generated far less electricity in 2021 due to unfavorable winds. This perfect storm of misinformed policies could bring unprecedented excess deaths, as Winter sets in. And let me just interject here. Maybe that's really the big, one of the reasons why they want this to happen. They want excess deaths, these population control fanatics. All right, let me to continue. Schools, hospitals, and clinics could also be much chillier and deadlier. At 11 cents per kilowatt hour, average U.S. business rate, a 650,000-square-foot hospital would pay about $2.2 million annually for electricity. At 25 cents per kilowatt UK, annual cost jumps to $5 million. And at 35 per, uh, per kilowatt Germany to $7 million. 
Those soaring costs would likely result in employee layoffs, higher medical bills, reduced patient care, colder conditions, and more deaths. Aiding to these woes, Citigroup says EU natural gas prices could hit $100 per MCF, and that means per 1,000 cubic feet or million BTU. If this winter is particularly cold and more Gulf of Mexico hurricanes disrupt production, news outlets report that energy companies supplying 6 million UK homes face collapse and several elder care homes have warned that crippling energy bills could force closures, leaving many old and firm people homeless. Britain's energy minister has said a very difficult winter lies ahead as gas prices soar and fear of blackouts and food shortages many households will not be able to cope. U.S. energy prices remain well be below Europe's, but threats to American families are also rising. The average monthly Henry Hub spot price for natural gas has shot up from $160.63 in June 2020 to $5.16 September 2021. That's well below the highest ever price, $13.42 in October 2005, but still ominous. One-third of American households already had difficulties six years ago adequately heating and cooling their homes, and one-fifth of households had to reduce or forego food, medicine, or other necessities to pay energy bills. Even before COVID, low-income, Black, Hispanic, and Native American families were spending a greater portion of incomes on energy than average U.S. households. Nearly half of U.S. households that heat with natural gas will spend 22 to 50 percent more this winter than last year, depending on how cold it gets. Families that use electricity, propane, or fuel to oil uh, or fuel oil to heat their homes will also pay significantly more. Energy-intensive factories may have to cut back hours in production, lay people off, and move operations overseas, where they will continue to burn fossil fuel and emit greenhouse gases. Americans are also being impacted by gasoline prices that have risen more than a dollar a gallon for regular since the 2020 election and recently reached $5 per gallon in New York and $7.60 in one California town, Southern California town. The overall effect of these anti-fossil fuel policies on livelihoods, living standards, health, and lifespans will, profoundly, will be profoundly negative. Countless people will perish, many of them cold and jobless, in the dark. Under Joe Biden, the United States is already on a trajectory to Europe's real climate crisis. Unfavorable, unreliable energy. That crisis better wake America up. Otherwise, self-righteous activists and governing classes will destroy middle-class jobs, families, and lives. And uh, the author, Paul Dreisen, is Senior Policy Analyst for the Committee for Constructive Tomorrow. And the website is www.cfact.org and the C-FACT, C, capital C, F-A-C-T. And he's an author of books and articles on energy, environment, climate, and human rights issues. And if you'd like to contact him directly, and he encourages that, his email is pkdriesen at gmail.com. pkdriesen at gmail.com. So we're very very happy that uh, Paul does send us his articles and encourages not just us, but anyone who gets them to repost, republish, and what have you to get the word out. So all these people that voted for Joe Biden, all these leftists that voted for him, all those who didn't like Trump, this is what they get. This is, uh, you know, this is reaping the whirlwind, as the Bible says. 
Biden told us what he was going to do. Again, I don't think he's all that competent at this point in his life. Uh, but as I said before, uh, Joe is like a, uh, a, a punch-drunk ex-boxer. Uh, you, they may have trouble putting on their shoes and don't know where they are, but when that bell rings, they can stand. When they hear the ringing of a bell, they get up there and, and still be able to box. Joe has been undermining this country all his life, so it's almost uh, he can do it without, uh, you know, without <laughs> ring that bell and he can sign that executive order or, or that bill that will take us down the path to total government. Uh, I'm glad to see there's pushback. Uh, not sure how the election will. Uh, pan out uh, tomorrow in, uh, in in Virginia. They say it's very close. Uh, and the same thing in New Jersey, not nearly as close in New Jersey, but uh, I just think there's just too many of these self-loathing types that buy into these scary scenarios. But I, I do remain optimistic, though, because there is a quite a groundswell. Uh, and that's why the left, they have to be in fifth gear. They have to... Uh, be more adamant, more scary scenarios, more lies about the world coming to an end. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in I used to live in Boston, and uh, not too far from us is the Blue Hills in Canton, Massachusetts. And on top of Blue, on the Blue Hill, and it's about a 600-foot elevation. It's not that high of a of a hill. Is the uh, oldest continually operating uh, weather station. And you can go in there. They, uh, I don't know if they're open at this point. They may. But you could go in there over the years and uh, tour the place. And very fascinating. And I think they've been around since the 1880s, maybe even more earlier. And they have log books every single day. Uh, the weather, you know, the highs, the lows, the rain, the snow, whatever. And you could go in there and say, okay, my birthday is June 1st, 1980. And you could see what the temperature was. And if you sat there and just compiled all of these, um, all these uh, log books year after year, you would say there's been variations. There's been days where, uh, for example, November 1st, uh, there's been days when it was in the 60s and days when it was uh, in the 30s and when it was nice and sunny or we got a, a foot of snow. But, you know, there's been no overall drastic change in the region's climate and you can do that pretty much pretty much anywhere in the world and some of the rising uh, temperatures have to do with land usage for example uh, I live uh, on a two and a half two and a half acres uh, there's some grass here but it's mostly trees if I was to chop down all of the trees on my two and a half acres and put uh, tar everywhere it's going to be a whole lot hotter next summer. So if I took the temperatures this summer and said, okay, uh, you know, July was average of, let's say, 75, uh, it would probably go up about 10 degrees. Why? Not because the Earth's getting hotter. It's because I changed uh, the, the land usage here. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Watts. I can't remember his first. Anthony Watts. In fact, his website, What's Up With That? That's a very uh, interesting guy. He, he had a project, uh, and I got a chance to interview him. Where that interview was, I don't know. I don't think it uh, – I turned it over to a particular magazine, and I don't know what they did with it. But Anthony and his team visited weather uh, monitoring uh, stations around the country uh, where the, simply the temperature was maintained. 
And he said something like 85% of these weather, not weather stations, but just temperature monitoring, forget the term he used, he said were compromised. Now, when you have one of these uh, places that measures the temperature, and usually you have people who are volunteers and not necessarily full-time weather people, but the, uh, all they have to do is go out and say, okay, uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning, the temperature was 5 degrees or, you know, or whatever the, the temperature was, and you do it at 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock. So you get about three or four readings a day. You do this day in and day out. But he discovered that some of these uh, temperature uh, places were on tops of a roof in downtown Baltimore or were about at a parking lot uh, with, you know, that was tarred, tar, you know, uh, a pavement uh, which absorbs the heat or in the back of a building where air conditioning units uh, were, you know, in the hot weather. And he said that uh, 85% of them are compromised. You usually will get a higher temperature reading. And he said the United States is one of the, have one of the best. He mentioned the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union collapsed uh, back in, what, the 90s, he said most of Siberia's weather stations went, up, went under. And it was pretty cold in Siberia. So that what, that's why uh, the UN report comes out and says, oh, the world's burning up. The temperature's risen by other degrees. When, in fact, it hasn't. Just the opposite. Um, and we reprinted a book originally published in 1810 uh, on the supposed change of temperature in winter. And it was written by none other than Noah Webster, the dictionary, uh, famous dictionary man, lexographer. And what Noah did, and this was uh, um, a number of years. He didn't just sit down in 1810 to write this. This was actually compiled earlier on uh, where he would um, look at the diaries of farmers you know, from 1700s and even earlier. And then he'd look at the Bible, the Old Testament, and look at weather patterns, you know. And no history, uh, battles are fought uh, or not fought because of weather. Or, uh, you know, we could look at, uh, for example, the Battle of Concord, Lexington, April 18th and 19th of 1775. It was an unusually warm day. Oh, days, so two days, very warm. And low 70s. And I've been participating in the reenactments, not as a, as a spectator, videotaping the reenactments they have done. I haven't done them in two years. But over the years, I, I've participated. And there are times when we're out there, it's 4.30 in the morning, and it's in the 20s. I think the warmest I remember was probably in the mid-50s with, a, with drizzle. And we, we, we thought that was comfortable. It's drizzling, and it's in the mid-50s. This is great weather to wait here to, uh, for an hour before the reenactment starts. Uh, so that was what, well over 250 years ago. So the weather really hasn't changed that much, but people want to believe that it is, uh, and uh, politicians that want to uh, scare us, and also those that are making money off it, the pay-to-play types, you know, the people who are making the wind turbines or the, um, the solar panels or all of the other uh, or, or the electric cars, those are the folks that are pushing this. So they've got, uh, they're making money. And we know it's interesting. I, uh, I had a gentleman come to the house a few years ago, and he was selling uh, electricity, you know, alternative electricity. And he was saying, uh, you know, do, do all these things to, uh, you know, to be carbon footprint. He's talking about carbon footprints. And then 
He said, well, because uh, he doesn't have to pay for his electricity, he's saying. So, uh, and he said, I keep my AC on all day. Uh, when, even when I'm not home, my dogs are in the house, and I keep my AC on because I don't have to pay for my electricity. So on one hand, he's telling us we need to conserve and have a low carbon footprint. And, and then t- a few minutes later, he's telling us that, um, well, you know, because I signed up for this and I've got so many people under me, uh, I don't have to pay my electricity, so I'm not being very, uh, he didn't say it so many words. And I thought, nah, I'm not going to go with this guy. He, on one hand, he's pushing the green uh, the green uh, stuff. On the other hand, he's uh, keeping his AC on all day because he's not paying his electricity. Uh, I believe in good stewardship. And I think people with a Judeo-Christian worldview uh, of the same mindset. We need to be good uh, stewards of the resources we have. And I don't need a little girl from Sweden to tell me I need to uh, turn my thermostat down or uh, not, you know, not be, uh, not, uh, not drive as much. Uh, I don't need Al Gore to tell me. I don't need Obama to tell me. I don't need Biden to tell me. Uh, because I'm paying for this, I'm going to be economical. At the same time, I want to be comfortable in my home. So I'm not going to put the thermostat up to 80. Uh, I'll turn it down at night. I'll use wood, and I'll use the wood right from my property. Uh, not everybody has that luxury, uh, but I'm going to be I'm going to be efficient, and I'm going to be sustainable, but not in the sustainable in the UN defines it. The UN definition of sustainable is basically unsustainable to engage in practices that will not help us, that will not further our our culture and our country and our economy. So they take a good word like sustainable and they turn it into something that means just the opposite. So in their world, sustainable development means no development. It means wind turbines that are not sustainable, uh, clear-cutting hilltops and mountaintops, transmission lines pouring tons of concrete and using um, and using. Uh, rare earth materials to build these things and by the time they pay for themselves you've got to replace them so there's really and when it comes to a wind turbine you you have to have a uh, it has to be a, a wind to produce anything and if it's too much wind if it's too windy it has a chance of damaging the wind turbine so they shut down and if there's no wind of course you don't get any energy so all these wind turbines so-called farms have to have backup generators to, to produce electricity because when that grid is, uh, you know, when the grid, you know, when it's 8 o'clock and uh, 7 o'clock in the morning rolls around, people are waking up, <clears throat> they're putting on their coffee pots, they're turning up their thermostats, they're uh, using their hot water to take showers. So uh, the, the, if the energy's not there, it's not there. It's not something you can just store. You can't store wind power. You can't store solar power. At least you can't do it very efficiently. And when it comes to solar panels, you need sunlight or you need light. And you need enough of it to generate electricity. And if it snows out, you've got the panels that are covered. They don't give you much. If you don't have any any rain, any sun at all, you get nothing. And it gets dark. It gets dark out. The sun goes down. And in the winter months, you get more, more or uh, less daylight. And so they're not really all that efficient. And by the way, I'm not against alternative energy if it's uh, market-driven. 
but when it's uh, when you get these perverse incentives from governments at all levels to put a wind turbine or to to build solar panels to put them on your house uh, that's not market driven that's not efficient uh, I have a few friends that are off the grid they don't they're not greens and you know they're not saying the world's coming to an end but they like the idea of being energy independent so they do have uh, solar panels they also have gas driven generators which come in very handy when the when the grid if you're on the grid and you need you know power goes down but the solar panels uh, again they're not that I think I've seen statistics where like 80 15 to 25 percent uh, you never get full capacity and the wind turbines are the same way you know, at full capacity, yo, you get all kinds of energy, but they never operate at full capacity at all. And there's a lot of uh, health issues with these wind turbines. And the solar panels, again, there, you've got to take uh, beautiful fields uh, and fill them for these, uh, fill them for the uh, f- full of these panels. Um, and it also raises the temperature in that area too. And we talk about land usage; it changes the land usage. So wind turbines and solar panels and all of these things will not uh, are really unsustainable in their own right and we just have to uh, share the spread the word I don't think the average American wakes up worrying about the world coming to an end but we have to spread spread the word and we have to defeat these uh, bills that are popping up all over the country and around the world the legislation that will basically uh, ruin our economy and ruin our countries and our health well, we're running out of time. I want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Sherliff. And again, I encourage you to visit our website, campconstitution.net, and you can get the blog here and uh, have, we have this article for yourself, Energy, Europe's Energy Crisis Better Wake Up by Paul Dreisen. Until next week, may God bless you.